The older you get, the more certain you are to be related to someone who has gone through cancer treatment or certainly know someone who has. For me, both my dad and my father-in-law have, and more recently, my wife went through treatment for breast cancer. And when you know someone who's going through it, or maybe who has just been diagnosed, you instinctively want to help, right? You want to say something or do something that makes them feel better, right? But how do you know what that right thing is? Certainly, everyone's unique in these situations. You know, Pete, you mentioned make things better, but we can't fix this. And as loved ones and friends, we really want to, don't we? But we can listen. And sometimes even that is the hardest thing to ask of us. Hi, everybody. I'm A.C. Jepson. And I'm Pete Kenworthy. And this is the science of health. And this one really applies to everyone, right? We want to help and never have the wrong intention. But sometimes what we're saying may not actually be helpful, despite those best intentions. Joining us today is oncology certified social worker Eileen Matteo from University Hospitals in Cleveland. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. So let's start with what we can improve upon, right? Whenever I have a friend who's going through something, anything bad, I generally say something like, let me know what I can do to help, right? Mm -hmm. And if someone is diagnosed with cancer, I might say something similar, but this might not be the best approach. Well, usually I find that it's better to be very specific in your offer to help. Can I get you something at the grocery store? Can I, I will pick up your kids from school today. Don't worry about your lawn. I will mow it this, this weekend or tonight or whatever. So those are the things to be very specific. Being open-ended and saying, oh, let me know what I can do, that usually falls on deaf ears. I often ask patients to make lists of people, people that they can get emotional support from and people they can get tangible support from. So the tangible people are the, the meals, the dry, you know, rides for the kids, picking up things at the grocery store, and the emotional support is just those are the ones closest to us. So those are important things to remember. Yeah, that makes sense, Eileen, because if you just ask an open-ended question— they don't want to be a burden, so they're more than likely going to say, I'm okay, or don't worry about it, and nothing ever gets done. Mm -hmm. they, they will just, exactly what you said, they are not going to ask somebody, even though they know the offer is there, it's better when it's a specific offer of, of help. I remember I talked to my wife specifically about this, because, the, you know, and, and let's be clear, the people who say, let me know what I can do to help, have the greatest intentions in the world. These are their <laughs> friends, right? These are their loved ones. But as my wife said, I never took any of those offers, mm -hmm. not one of them. But she said it was awesome when people just brought food over mm -hmm. or just said, like you said, I'm, I'm picking up your, your kids from school. Just did things. Mm -hmm. It just made things easier. It was one less thing she had to think about. Right. People don't think in terms of what they're going to need in the wintertime, especially if, you know, what's coming in the summertime. So, you know, shoveling the walk, just doing it. Uh, like I said, mowing the lawn. Those are the things that people need that they don't think of. You think of all of everything you do every day, whether you work, you have children, um, outside activities. That person who is being treated for cancer has to do all those things as well. So they need somebody to step in. All right. We're talking a lot about action. I want to talk a little bit more about words. And Pete, I'd love to get your response on this as well, because you likely heard some of this with your with your wife's diagnosis and journey. Don't worry, you'll be fine. Or here's one. 
I've actually heard this before and was stunned. You don't look sick. Um, God doesn't give people more they, than they can handle. That That's another one. Who wants to go first? Because I'd love your input too. I'm, I'm guessing these are all bad ideas, right, Eileen? They're all bad ideas. They're well-intended, but they're bad ideas. Um, I usually cringe when I hear somebody say, God doesn't give you something more than you can handle, because that's putting an awful lot of burden on the person. It makes them feel like they're a failure or they're, they're not as a faithful servant to their Lord. But that's not the case at all. And, you know, when, when somebody says you don't look sick, you know, you know that's, a, that's a good thing, I guess. But it's not a good thing because they don't feel right. Typically, patients going through cancer treatments don't feel right. And if they can keep a brave faith, great. But, you know, you can ask them, how are you feeling today? You know, not, oh, how are you feeling? Or, you know, in general, but something specific. And if the other thing that's important to remember, if the person asks you, how do I look? And you know, they have a bald head underneath that wig or a hat, they have no eyebrows, you can say, you know, you're looking a little thin, but not as much as I thought you would have from the last treatment you had or something like that. Be honest. They know they don't look like they did six months before they got diagnosed. Bye. Pete, did uh, you come across anything that just made you cringe? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it was cringeworthy. I'm not the. I'm not used to being interviewed on this podcast. I, 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 I don't. I don't know if I, w- I would say cringeworthy, but but the one thing that I thought of right right when you were asking this was my wife would have preferred people go directly to her. She she said there were a number of people who would text me for fear of not bothering her, mm-hmm. and she said. You know that that was great. Again, well-intentioned people, but it seemed less caring to her. Just come right to her and tell her what you're thinking, or ask her the questions that you have. And 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 to be fair to people going through cancer treatment, not, not everyone is going to agree with what my wife says, right? I mean, pe- some mm-hmm. people may really appreciate texting the spouse and asking instead of bothering mm-hmm. them. Yeah, that makes sense. So there could be some value. In having a conversation, especially if you're in touch with this person on a regular basis, and saying, how do you want me to handle this? Mm-hmm. How, how would you like me to, you know, I, do you want, not want me to bring it up? I won't. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to talk to you about it if, 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 that's, if that would help you. Is, am, am I going in the right direction here? Is that conversation valuable? I think it can be based on the relationship that you have with the person. If you're close to that person, Definitely ask them, you know, what what do you need from me as your friend, as your sister, as your brother? Also, sometimes it's just sitting with the person and talking about other things than cancer. You know, the Guardians are starting to play soon, or the Cleveland Browns, or you know, if you're if it's a coworker. You know, something that maybe a funny a coworker did that was funny or something like that. It's important to remember that their life, even though right now is about their cancer diagnosis and cancer treatment, that's not their entire life. So, you know, it's it's good to joke with people. It's good to um, just try to even if it's just distracting them, that's that's not a bad thing to do. So much more to talk about, but I want to go through some more specifics just in case people think this might be okay to say. I know what you're going through. I think nobody wants to hear about other people 
right? It's about them at the moment. Um, or I, how about this one? I can imagine what you're going through. That doesn't set so well with people, does it? No, it doesn't, because every cancer journey is different. And, you know, there is value in peer-to-peer support, where if, uh, if the patient wants to meet with somebody that has the same diagnosis, either over the phone or in person, we call that peer-to-peer support. But, they, but somebody's cancer journey is unique to themselves, and it's almost a little disrespectful, well-intended, but disrespectful to say, oh, I know what you're going through, or I can imagine. No, you can't imagine. Or minimizing, oh, you know, you, you, you should be, it should be okay. You didn't have to have chemotherapy. You only had, you know, surgery, radiation, and now you're on medication for 10 years. It, every person's journey is unique to themselves and needs to be addressed that way. The other thing this reminds me of is something we actually talked about before we started recording, but but referencing someone else you know who's been diagnosed with the same thing mm-hmm. um, and, and what happened to them, good or bad, mm-hmm. um, taking the focus away from the person who you're talking to is probably, again, well-intentioned, mm-hmm. but re- really not great for that person who's who it's new to. No, because right now they they don't have, and they, or they might have the capacity to really look at other people's things, but it's not helpful. It's not, it doesn't have any value added to that conversation. Sometimes, and I think this is one of the most difficult thing to do, is to not say anything. Mm. You just hold somebody's hand, you can cry with the person, put something funny on TV and laugh with that person, but sometimes it takes no words. It's just your presence is really what that person needs. You've given us a lot of really great thoughts about what to say in conversation, what maybe maybe better put, what not to say in conversation. Um, and, and that's really right after we hear about the diagnosis, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about. What about later um, when treatment has started and things may be different and conversations may get tougher? And especially as you referenced, you know, surgery and radiation is one thing. Now you add in chemotherapy uh, and, and, and other um, more ex- extreme treatments, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. Your advice is honest and direct but gentle? Is that right? Yes, yes. Because the, the person with the cancer knows they look different, they feel different, and they usually are acting different because, first of all, they're not feeling well. Even if they're feeling fine, they might have lost their hair. So really, it's it's just a matter of taking that person and starting where they're at, not where you're at. Mm-hmm. So you start where they're at and you know you ask them to guide the conversation, guide the support, um, that sort of thing. I think back to when my mom was going through Alzheimer's and I spent a lot of my time trying to pick her up and just talk about anything but. But I, I really do regret now not having some of those hard conversations. I think she would have appreciated the honesty and the opportunity to talk about that with her daughter. Can we talk a little bit about how to bring that up or learning when the right time is to really get down to the brass tacks? Should that always be something that's patient-led? Um, I would say yes and no. Yes, when it is, if they're at a crossroads with their treatment and they're not sure which way to go, if the doctor is 
telling them that they need different services, palliative care, or, you know, maybe going on a clinical trial. Those kind of discussions, yes, should be part of the patient, what the patient wants or what the patient needs. As far as when it shouldn't be is when you can offer something to them that, you know, it's okay if you don't want to continue with treatment. You know, it's okay if, if you're in pain and right now you just want to center, center in on your pain. Those are the kind of conversations that you, again, based on the relationship with the person that you can have with them because you're still letting them be in control of the discussion, but you're offering something, you're giving them the opportunity to tell you what they want. Mm. The, giving them the autonomy is, is the mm-hmm. most important part. Mm-hmm. It seems like the big theme here is never waver from the patient, right? So it's not about the guy I knew who had cancer. It's not about what I think about your cancer diagnosis or or how I think you feel. It's really all about that person. Mm-hmm. And the, try to remember to have, and, and this is great, honestly, for any conversation, really, uh, even, even outside of cancer, but always focus on that person and, and what that person's going through and really nobody else. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, be there for the long haul. Cancer is not necessarily a uh, start and stop type situation. Treatments can go on uh, for years. Treatments can start and stop, but then there is um, surveillance. So there, be there for that person for the long haul. You know, six months after somebody started treatment, they still might be so fatigued that they still could use somebody, you know, somebody go grabbing them some ginger ale from the grocery store. That's be there for the long haul, I guess, is my best piece of advice for that. Oh, very good advice. You, you mentioned humor, but I'd like to go back to that because um, I'd love to know more about the value of that and the best way to to. I- get to that point where you want to laugh? Well, I think laughter is the best medicine or can be a good medicine. And there's not a lot of things when somebody's being treated for cancer that are funny. But there are people, most well-meaning people, that say some of the silliest things. (laughs) And they say it um, to, to be helpful, but they're not. And as the person with cancer, you take that information in, and sometimes it would be helpful for a good friend, for the, the uh, person with cancer to say, have you laughed today? Or did anything happen that you thought was funny or hysterical? Or, And then that gives that person with cancer the chance to share something that's funny. Hmm. You, you said, it was interesting because in your response there, you said person with cancer, not cancer patient. Yeah, and I I find that's the best way of addressing somebody that has cancer. I, as a clinical person, gets into the habit of saying cancer patient. But you have to think in terms that it's a person with cancer. Mm-hmm. Same thing, a person with diabetes. It's the person first. And if you can remember that, then you're looking at the whole person. Mm-hmm. You're not just looking at them as an illness. Always great to remember and also a great way to remember to focus on that person. It's awesome. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Eileen Matteo, an oncology certified social worker at University Hospitals in Cleveland. Thanks for having me. 
Remember, you can find and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Search University Hospitals or The Science of Health, depending on where you subscribe. And for more health news, advice from medical experts, and The Science of Health podcast, go to uhhospitals.org slash blog. 